0: Welcome to McKinsey on Startups, a series focused on helping entrepreneurs and investors accelerate growth, brought to you by Fuel, the firm's startup practice. Each episode, McKinsey editor Daniel Eisenberg speaks with founders, investors, and industry experts to share the latest perspectives across borders and sectors. Hello and welcome to McKinsey on Startups. I'm Daniel Eisenberg apps that aim to provide on-demand emotional mental or spiritual support have soared in popularity in the last few years some explicitly religious others tied to meditation mindfulness or psychotherapy this shouldn't come as a surprise given the incredibly stressful world we live in these days especially more than two years into the pandemic when many people haven't been able to regularly seek out their normal refuges in person while mental health or meditation apps like headspace or calm have garnered more of the mainstream attention Religion-based apps have also gained real momentum of late. VC funding in this area rose from $6 million in 2016 to $48 million in 2020 and more than $175 million last year, according to PitchBook. One startup helping to fuel this surge is Glorify, a freemium subscription Christian daily worship and affirmation app that offers biblical passages, devotionals, prayers, guided meditation, and Christian music. So far, the app has amassed more than 2 million users, who spend a collective 204 million minutes each day on it. In just the last six months or so, it has raised $85 million in Series A and B funding, attracting such notable investors as Andreessen Horowitz and SoftBank Latin America Fund. Celebrities, including Michael Bublé and Chris Jenner, have also invested in the startup. Today, we're pleased to speak with co-founder and co-CEO Ed Beckel, Who started Glorify in his native UK two years ago with co-founder and co-CEO Henry Costa. At the age of 22, Beckel is already a serial entrepreneur, having launched his first business in high school. He and Costa have ambitious plans for Glorify, hoping to eventually build it into a full-fledged online Christian community or social network. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Ed. It's great to have you with us today. Great to be here. Thank you. Tell us briefly about Glorify and your own journey as an entrepreneur. Well, I'm 22 years old. Glorify is probably my
1: fourth or fifth company that I've started. Glorify is a a Christian meditation app. Think Carmel Headspace, but for the faith-based community, it's morphed into so much more. In terms of how I look at it and position it, it's building out an ecosystem with Christian values at the core and as the lens of how you interact so I look at Facebook and the entire community of users there and I think to myself, well, what ties everyone there together? More often than not, it's hard to come up with an answer. Whereas for, with Glorify, it's this, this shared belief in the Christian faith. And that affects every area of your life from the media you consume to how you date, to how you donate, to how you invest your money. My goal with Glorify as a business is to encapsulate all of that into the ecosystem that i'm building so that's a bit on glorify but i think my journey really started when i was about 13 or 14 and i just begun building random stuff online i actually first set up a website called likesurge.com it was somewhere where you could go and purchase instagram followers or twitter likes or youtube views it was really really early days i was super young i just found it great fun i went from that into getting type one diabetes when I was around that age and I missed lots of school. And I thought, well, why are my parents paying so much money for me to be taught by all these 50 year old PhD professors? When I live in Oxford, why couldn't I have a third year university student come and tutor me instead for a a third of the cost, if not less, it was around the advent of Uber and I, I took a crack at trying to build Uber for tutors where you geolocate and book independent academic tutors to your door. I think what became valuable when I started building that app was what I made for the tutors, which was this neat app-based way for them to manage their scheduling and payments, plus find them deal flow in a set radius. That wasn't very common, especially not in an app form, let alone with a decent user experience. I think that's the case with most startups, that you kind of have an initial theory of why you want to do it, and then... The value is maybe not necessarily what you initially thought it would be. I did that for a while and got some traction. I sold it when I was 17 and made some money, not, nowhere near as much as everyone thinks I did, but it was really, really cool. I got a special deal from my school to spend half my time at school and half my time working on my companies and my startups. And you know, I did that from about 16. I went from that into building a couple other different apps and companies, and some went nowhere, some went somewhere fast. I think if you do the things that you love and find meaningful, you tend to do better at them and you're happier because
0: of it. Right. You talk about meaning there, despite the fact that you had created other tech startups before, you've spoken about how Glorify is really the first that you see being more than just a business and that it's about leveraging technology to change the way people think and feel and that has become a passion of yours can you talk about why this is so important to you in the way that you see the world yeah i feel like that's my
1: overall purpose when i try and break it down to myself i want to build things at scale that change the way people think and feel for the better i feel like too many people work on things they either don't like or feel neutral about too many people today they obsess at trying to make as much money as they possibly can. I want to build things that I'm deeply proud of consistently and hopefully make a lot of money so that I can do all sorts of other good stuff with it, including really giving it back, doing the same thing again. That's where I find my joy. It is my first, but at the same time before this, I a Grasp HR, which I sold. and It was a really incredible mission. It was basically building a solution for... Uh, large corporates or any ecosystem to be recommended people you should be connecting with based on where you've been and where you're trying to get to and what you're working on right now. So just talking and connecting, sharing with others. And my belief consistently as an entrepreneur has been, there's something you can learn from absolutely anyone and everyone. It's just trying to figure out what that thing within that person is. And how has your own religious experience played into the development of Glorify? Honestly, it's been really remarkable and interesting. At school, I had to go to chapel four or five times a week and, well, you were forced, really. If you didn't go, you got detention, you got in trouble. That is not the way to do it. I look at glorifying part of the reason why my co-founder and I uh, built it was because too many people today look at this big, scary church and uh, strange music sometimes and it doesn't resonate with a lot of people. So they step back from it. It's a huge shame because having a faith is one of the most powerful things a human being can possess. When I looked at Calm and Headspace and those apps, they have undeniable impact. I think too many people lack this consistent feeling of being loved, of being safe. This is a lot of what I'm trying to give people through the platform. And yeah, my own faith has been a long journey. Like everyone, it fluctuates, but glorifies something that strengthened it beyond belief it can be really pressurizing. Like I'm 22, I've raised whatever it is, $85 million in Glorify alone. And I've got all these people working with me and we've got millions and millions of users. It's scary in its own way. Sometimes when I feel like that too much, I stop and I try and remember that whatever happens here, whatever we do, I can't go all that wrong because people love what we're building. They love this product. We're changing their lives and that's absolutely incredible. And everyone's got that tiny piece of them that thinks, what if I don't make it? What if it doesn't happen? I always just say, even if it doesn't somehow be worth it if I only change one, let alone, however many millions I believe we are doing so for. And when I center myself in that, this great weight just gets lifted off me.
0: So you've created an app that you yourself find great meaning and comfort from in that way, it's become something that has provided that same comfort and meaning to your vast growing user base.
1: Sure. Glorify is all about building that muscle of faith for people. It all started in terms of how do we build Uh, consistency in people's lives around connecting with God and themselves. You see that in our daily worship, that's 10 minutes. Our goal in all of it is how can we touch more than just your mind? How can we engage all these different parts of you so that you holistically feel that connection? My belief is if you do our daily worship and you make time to connect in with God every day, even if it's just for 10 minutes, that muscle is going to be there when you need it.
0: And stronger for it. And I know your user base grew a lot during the pandemic. Did that in any way surprise you? I just thought to myself, wow, this has never
1: been more important to do. And we've just got to make every effort we can to ensure that anybody who can't afford it, for instance, can have it for free with the pandemic it's hard to say that of course there are silver linings in all of these things people have got to know their families better and they've got to spend time and maybe get some level of peace or realizing that oh well in my job i can work from home and actually it doesn't make me worse with glorify i loved the idea that we could have millions tens of millions hundreds of millions of people sitting at home by themselves and coming on to glorify and praying with each other and realizing that they are not alone regardless of whether or not you believe in God, and it's impossible not to believe in energy. To be sitting there by yourself and praying, it's putting this great positive energy out into the world. And you know, for me, it's into God's hands. I can never see that being anything
0: but a really good thing. You've talked about Glorify becoming a social network in some ways down the line or evolving to bring people closer together. Was that in your original vision? And it, why is that so critical to what Glorify becomes?
1: I think there's great power in bringing people together around something that's a pure positive, regardless of what that thing is. And when it comes to glorifying the Christian faith, that is an unbelievably positive, powerful thing to bring people together over. It's always been in the plan. We've just worked out smarter ways to do it. That social piece is how we connect up the entire community in and around everything from the media you consume, to how you donate money, to how you date and find partners, to how you even invest the
0: money that you have. So you live
1: maybe slightly more frictionlessly within the belief set that
0: you've got. So it's not just about the moment when you're having your daily prayer. Yeah. A lot of it derived from looking at all of these uh, generic
1: social networks from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook and seeing how many hundreds of thousands, millions of engaged communities exist on those networks. All of those communities are forced to live within the house that Facebook or Instagram or whoever have created. And that house is made up a functionality that's like, share, and comment. And that is as deep as you can engage with each other. The belief that I had was, well, you could build hundreds of potentially billion dollar plus businesses out of just deepening the engagement that existing communities have on traditional social networks so that's saying look at this one community how could you build functionality that enables that community to engage 10x more deeply than they can on a generic traditional social network and you know, when you look at the the christian community it's unbelievably engaged on traditional social networks For me, it was, well, what functionality could we create that helps them connect better? And it's just endless from being able to journal and comment on top of the Bible and doing a daily worship with each other, to sending and receiving prayers, to actually praying with each other in real time, to consuming all sorts of native content with each other. The list goes on and on. And that was this light bulb moment of, wow, we can do so much here that makes that community, our community connect in a way that's so much more impactful. We were intentional of how we did things, but the harder thing is to build something that people download and they continue to use. So, you know, how many apps do you use on your phone truly? Is it three, four, five, six? It's certainly not the number that you have downloaded on your phone, at least for most people. The whole goal was initially, can we build something that's not necessarily social at all, that people continue using and get real value from after 30 days, 90 days, 180 days after a year. It's very, very rare to have made something that people stick around with because they love it. The whole idea was if we could do that, we could build a social layer on top of that initial single player engagement that upped our attention, by the way, through the roof, but also, built a k factor and viral rate around what people already love and engage with thereby at least on a business economical level reducing our cpi or our cac by god knows what and we're seeing it now you know that's often why startups raise money to prove different things out for us it was first round let's prove that we're the right team and we can Get people to stick around and use this initial product we've created. And then the next round was can we prove that people will share it organically and that we can consistently acquire users at a figure that was digestible? If we can prove that out on top of paid conversion after building a product that people love and continue to use, then can you prove that people will pay for it? The money that we've most recently raised was can we prove that we can build a consistent k-factor you know virality rate around every single user that downloads this product and you know we prove that too that people will actively share this and bring their friends in small groups in our case onto the platform we're now seeing statistical significance already on that k-factor and when that's there oh my goodness it turns this whole thing into a literal rocket ship the next round of funding that we will raise likely will be to To prove out that we can build different products that sit within this ecosystem where the community that we've created in this initial product gain value without us having to pay significant amounts of money to acquire those initial users because they already sit within the daily worship app
0: the app has garnered a lot of interest from millions of people but also celebrities in some instances which i think you've said has occurred rather serendipitously how have you prepared for these conversations what did you expect from meeting with people, whether it's the Kardashians or other celebrities that have reached out to you?
1: I think the same thing that I expect to see from any user, which is I've got a faith. I want to develop it and I want to grow it. I struggle to do that. Your app's really helping me and it helps me build that consistency
0: in my day. I would think finding something like Glorify can be especially helpful for people who live in a bubble in some sense and can't always just venture out.
1: Well, it's never going to be, certainly never created glorified to replace the church, it's a movement to it. And I think you can parallel this same sort of ethos across so many different verticals and industries. There's all of these micro interactions that you can use to cross more wires between people, things, and ideas before they come together physically, so that when they do they can latch on to the right things faster. And so with glorified, it's doing that daily worship in the morning or at night or praying with each other or sharing Bible verses and passages and commenting on top of them with friends and seeing that they are all forms of micro interacting with people so that when you do come together physically, you have potentially got more to talk about. You can go a, a lot deeper, faster and evolve those personal relationships that you've got, let alone with God more quickly.
0: Since the founding and launching Glorify, what have been the biggest challenges, operational or otherwise, that you guys have faced?
1: I think pandemic hasn't been easy for anyone, but I have a lot of isolation, a lot of time away from the office, and I'm someone that works very well with other people getting to be there and bounce off their ideas and their energy. And I adore that. That doesn't drain me. It just fuels me more. Whereas sometimes being on Zoom and being on the computer, it can be a little draining and induces less creativity. It's been challenging to connect with people the way I want to when I'm also having to travel all around the world, whether I'm in Brazil or LA or New York or whether I'm in the UK. It's just been a lot of traveling and that hasn't been easy. I need consistency in my life, you know, for personal. Reasons. I've just been moving around too much. I need to wake up in the same bed and have the same breakfast. And that lack of consistency is not been easy. Equally like hiring, we've got an amazing mission and it resonates with so many people and that can attract credible talent and we've got an awesome team. But the pandemic also hasn't made hiring necessarily easier. The big challenges for us, it's just proving out a lot of the things that I was talking about. We've proven a lot of stuff out faster than we thought we would. But there's always going to be uncertainty. I've got really strong beliefs in terms of what will happen. And there's a lot that we need to iterate towards to get to where I'm truly happy. But I suppose it's all relative.
0: In Brazil and Latin America, did you guys always think that that would be a key market? Or did that sort of just happen?
1: I, was, I originally came out literally just before the pandemic to see a friend and... i spent some time here and i was like whoa this is a super super engaged community in terms of faith and what that means to your average brazilian or latin american in their lives and struck me that the product that we were in the midst of creating then would have a huge impact so it was sort of just luck that i was here i ended up connecting with a few different big celebrities that had a strong faith and they loved the idea of what we were creating. We didn't really have many other celebrities, let alone with that sort of following anywhere else in the world. And so it just was like, wow, like, this person's got 5 million followers. What would happen if they posted about Glorify in Brazil? How many downloads will we get? How can we not go and see what this means and what could happen? And then it just really took off. And it's beginning to happen in the US too. That's super cool because people are nothing but Beyond grateful, which is why I know we've built something that has more than product market fit. You know, it's like lightning.
0: When you guys were first building it, obviously there were other religion-based apps out there. Did you consciously think about how you would differentiate Glorify? Well, lots that's out there, The user experience is
1: not particularly good. And that's why I don't think they have the retention that they could have. And I don't think anyone's really nailed and And built community right and social right in this context. And me and my co founder Henry could just see a really clear path to getting it right. That lack of focus is often a red flag. It induces this paralysis, you know, paralysis by analysis. My dad always used to say that's just such a huge barrier for your average user. So there's a reason why when you download Glorify, there's a clear North Star and action step for every user to take every day, and that's our daily worship. Come to it do that and then if you want to do more you can but the good news is
0: that you're really building that muscle whether you know it or not and there was never a specific denomination within christianity that was part of the glorify vision right
1: the vision was always to sit above politics and sit above all the churches to some degree it's something that's not meant to push any radical opinion It's built for you and anyone who is a Christian can gain real value from it.
0: I was going to ask you about how critical having the council of seasoned investors has been for you and your co-founder in terms of moving Glorify ahead. We've worked very hard
1: to have a cap table that's very different, but that have the same values and truths. I think that's really key, whether it's looking for a co-founder, to finding investors, to finding a romantic partner can be super, super different. But as long as you've got those same core values, you'll end up in the right place, no matter how differently circumstances change in one's life. Connie Chan at Andreessen, we met her and we were just like, wow, we've got to work with her. We'd always wanted to, me and my partner, Henry, we looked at tier one VCs like Andreessen. It was just, it was a total dream for us to work with in our career. But then when we met Connie, it was like, well, she's got a really strong faith. This actually matters to her. She really believes in this. You can tell when someone cares and those are the people we want to work with. I hate to say it, but our big belief is purpose above profit. I actually think that it all aligns in the end. If you put purpose above profit and it's the right form of capitalism and the impact you're having in the world is a a pure net positive, then you can get both yeah, you'll end up doing better financially because of it. I know that Connie believes that. And I know that Paolo Personi at SoftBank believes that too.
0: Are there particular challenges ahead that you think about as Glorify grows?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're we're always ultra conscious that the investors that we bring on share the same values. It's easy sometimes for someone to come and say, well, we'll pay this higher price and give you more money, but then actually, I don't get the best feeling from you. And I don't think we have the same values. I think you're in this for different reasons. We've just got to be conscious of making sure we've got the right stakeholders. And by the way, I'm by no means saying you've got to be a Christian to invest in glorify. And the same with working for us. I mean, we just want the best of the best, no matter what. But I do think you're only going to be the best of the best if you're also in it for more than just the money. So that's one challenge. Another is always getting the narrative, right? You'll find there'll be people saying that putting God behind a paywall, or we should be making money off doing stuff like that. And I think that that's just not right. You pay for your Bible, don't you? <laughs> right. You buy a nicer one with a leather back than one with acid And what we're charging for in the most part is how we repackage and distribute contents that we've always had where anyone that can't afford it will give it to you for free. And actually for us. We're never going to monetize that initial connection and develop your curiosity and your faith either. It's a massive misconception. And I want to try and put an end to that narrative because we're not doing that.
0: And lastly, when you think about five years down the line, where do you see yourself, your co-founder, Glorify, and what would success mean to you?
1: One thing that I've learned is that the goalposts keep moving. When I was 16, I would have thought to myself, if I had got to where I am today by 22, I'd be done. But now here I am, I just wanna do so much more. So I think in five years, what does success mean for me right now? It'll be fun looking back. I don't want to define success for me around anything to do with money. When I was way younger, I did. What do I actually spend my money on? Uber eats and you know, a nice hotel and doing stuff for other people that i love whether it's my parents or my friends and my sister for me the success is going to be how many people i am touching and impacting in a way that's a pure pure net positive how many lives am i changing i look at where we are now i'd love to see us by the end of the year really solid tens of millions of downloads people on the platform five years time i want us to have impacted hundreds of millions of lives at a minimum, I'm really confident that we'll do that in less than five, to be honest. But can I build a sustainable business out of it too, so that we're not beholden to anyone? As much as I love our investors, and I think they're incredible, there comes a point in a business where it needs to be
0: self-sustaining. Well, you're well on your way, and it'll be fascinating to keep watching as Glorify evolves and expands. So thank you again, Ed, for taking the time. It's been a great conversation. Thank you guys, too. Okay, that does it for the pod today. Thanks again to Ed Beckel, co-founder and co-CEO of Glorify, for joining us. Also, a big thank you, as always, to our entire McKinsey on Startups production team, Molly Carlin, Polly Noah, Sid Romtree, and Myron Shirkin. And finally, thanks for listening. We hope you'll return for future episodes of McKinsey on Startups. This has been McKinsey on Startups, hosted by Daniel Eisenberg. We welcome your feedback, so please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you join us next time for more broad global perspectives on the challenges and opportunities for accelerating growth. Thanks for listening.